Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Who's excited? I'm excited. Come on. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. I'm super excited to be here. Refuge Church. Thanks thanks for having us back. I, this is our home away from home here in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. We're excited for what God's going to do. Uh, I want to share a testimony, and then I want to share a few things that I feel the Lord has placed in my heart to share with you tonight. Is that all right? Who loves testimonies? Come on. All right, so uh, this past summer, I've been in Texas a lot. The Lord's been opening up a lot of doors in Texas, uh, so I've been traveling through different uh, cities um, and just really just proclaiming the good news out there, just starting some fires in different churches and uh, partnering with them. And uh, you know what? Actually, I love what pastors said. First of all, we just can you give it up for your pastors here? We just want to honor you. We love you and acknowledge you and just thank you for what you do. You know, a pastor's position is so selfless. And they take on the burdens of other people. So honor your pastors. Get connected. Serve. It's so important. Yeah, he's sold out. Pastors, literally, they're sold out for the kingdom of God. I mean, this is for, a, for life thing. So, Pastor Matt, thank you for all you do. And thank you for having us here. But I love what he said. He said, when you get around people who are on fire for God and who have a passion for God... It will get you out of your complacency. It'll shake you to your core and shake up all that complacency in your life, that compromise in your life. And it reminded me of, I heard Isaiah say it one time. We are making a video in Chicago last year for Rise Up. And he said these words. He says, you got to get around people who throw gas on your fire, not water on your fire. Come on, somebody. Get around some people that would challenge you. I believe that in order to be changed, you need to be challenged. I want to be around some people who are going to tell me the truth. Keep me accountable. Matt, you shouldn't be watching that. You shouldn't be doing that. Even if that's a, you know, a person on, you know, on, on Instagram. Even if you're friends with that person, they're posting pictures that aren't, you know, it's not going to build you up and add value to your life. You need to get rid of that. And I want some people to tell me the truth in this place. I, I, want, I want to be around some friends and some family that will keep me accountable, keep me in my place. That's, that's a key to keep the fire burning in your life, remaining in fellowship, remaining in a, in a community of believers that will keep you accountable. Amen. All right, back to the Texas. We were in Texas, and we were going through, uh, we were coming from San Antonio. We went to, we're on our way to Dallas, this four-hour drive. We were driving through the night. It was me, my buddy, BG, my cousin, Justin. This is crazy, and I want you just to listen to what God did, because this is a powerful story. We pull up to the Dallas area after driving through the whole night. We're tired. I had to preach two services at this church. And uh, my buddy BG, my cousin Justin, were tired. So they go to this hotel um, where we were going to be later that evening in a town called Garland. Somebody say Garland. All right. Garland was 45 minutes from the town, the church I was speaking at. All right. I want you to stay with me. They drive 45 minutes to this hotel while I go and preach two services at this church. And they say, Matt, we're tired. We're not going to be able. They, we were all preaching all weekend, so it's fine if they miss this, you know, two services. So they go to the hotel. They go and rest. I come back to the hotel. The pastor drops me off. And I hear all this chaos that took place while I was preaching. Now, what had happened was 
While I was preaching, my cousin Justin and my buddy BG were trying to check in with the confirmation number that the pastor had given us. And they told me that the man at the front desk would not let them check in. And, and they're like, Matt, he would not let us check in. They're telling me this. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, we gave him our confirmation number. He says, okay, you know, he's trying to type it in. We're telling him, we're, you know, he asked us why we're here. We said, we're here, you know, uh, we're just ministers of the gospel. We're preaching, you know, at a few different revival services. And he looked at them and said, get away from my desk. I'm not checking you in. This is what the, clerk, the hotel clerk said. They're at the front desk. He's like, sir, why can't we check in? He's like, I don't have your confirmation number. He's like, we just gave you the confirmation number. He's like, get away from my desk. I'm not checking you in. So my cousin, my, my friend BG, they're just, mind you, they, we drove through the whole night. They're extremely tired. They just want a, a place to sleep. And this guy's giving them a hard time. Long story short, they go outside. They try to get a hold of us. He's calling me while I'm preaching. I can't answer. They try to call corporate. They go back in. And in a nutshell, what had happened was my friend goes to the front desk. The guy kicks him out again. But he's like, sir, can I, can I talk to your manager? And the hotel clerk was like, we don't have a manager. He's like, sir, every hotel has a manager. He brings out the cook. She's coming with her gloves. He's like, ma'am, you're not the manager. He's like, listen to her. So they explain what's going on. Even the cook was on our side, on my friend's side. And he's, she's like, this isn't okay. I don't know why he's treating you like that. I'm so sorry. So they're trying to get a hold of corporate. She goes back to the kitchen. And this guy is still kicking them out. Says, You're, just get out of here. We're not checking you in. So we've been traveling all weekend. God's been moving. People have been getting delivered, set free, just being, you know, getting this fire ignited in them to do the same thing we're doing. All weekend long, God's doing his thing. So this light bulb comes on in my cousin's head. He says, BG, this is backlash for all we've been doing all weekend long. We can't just get mad at this guy. We got to bless him. Oh, come on, somebody. The Bible says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. How are we going to act in situations like this when you're getting persecuted and you're getting mistreated? How are we going to respond? Listen to this. My cousin, they're in the parking lot now because he kicked them out for the 10th time. They take out some money, $20 out of their pocket. And BG takes out money. And while he's on the phone, you know, trying to get a hold of corporate, my cousin goes in there. He walks up to the hotel clerk. And says, sir, we just want to apologize for every, anything that we said that was wrong or to offend you. We've we just been driving through the night. We're just trying to look for a place to sleep. So we just want to say we're sorry. And here you go. We want to bless you with this. And the guy's like, I can't take that. And he's like, sir, we just, we just want to say this is our apology for you if we said anything wrong. He says, well, your friend out there didn't say sorry. And my cousin's like, sir, the other 20s from BG outside. And he's like, you know what? He goes outside. He goes up to my friend BG and he says, you guys can check in now. Oh, money talks. <laughs> money talks. And so they go back into the lobby. Long story short, again, this man gets behind the desk and says, I'm going to be honest with you both. I didn't check you in because you're black or you're this person or you said this wrong. He says, to be honest, I didn't check you in because you said that you were a preacher of the gospel. And it reminded me that. What had happened to me in my past, my wife left me for a pastor. It's getting crazy in here now. This guy made it seem like it was so recent, it was 10 years ago. 
My cousin Justin and BG begin to minister to this man and share the love of God with this hotel clerk. He breaks down crying and says, I don't ever want to treat another pastor like this again, another minister like this again. In fact, when they come in this hotel, I'm going to put them in the best suite in this place. He's like, can I serve you? Can I get you some water? Can I get you some cookies? Praise God. I want some cookies. So listen to what happened. I want to share something with you after. My cousin and BG were like, Sir, yes, you can do that, but first you got to let us pray with you because you can't go another day with that bitterness in your heart. This guy gets totally wrecked and set free from that thing, that bondage, every bondage of the enemy that was holding him down and hindering him from loving God. This is why I tell people that people's problem isn't with God, it's with people who misrepresented God. Don't let, see, if people are the reason why you come to church in the first place, you're here for the wrong reason. I'm telling you that Jesus is the reason for your belief. He's the reason for the season. You need to just come here to lift up his name, not because you have it together, but because you need to get it together. This guy got set free and he, the God, see, he'll turn around what the devil meant for harm. He'll turn it around for your good. All things work together for the good of them who love him to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. How many believe that in this place? So it was so powerful. I got to meet this guy. The countenance of his face changed completely. He was like a whole different person. Because when God comes in, he will change you from the inside out. He's the one that turns darkness into light, sin into salvation, bondage into freedom. This is the God that we serve. It takes one moment for him to show up. One moment for God to come in and reveal himself and you're a whole different person. I just want to talk to somebody in this place that came in here feeling empty, came in here feeling depressed, came in here feeling like man this is just my last chance i'm gonna give this whole jesus thing another chance because it's just not going well for me well i want to let you know tonight that it is your night for freedom it's your night for breakthrough he's gonna show up in your life but let me say this the state of our heart determines if we want to hear the truth or not how's the state of your heart how long has it been if till you, you just looked inside of the door of your heart to see how much fuel was still there can I talk about keeping the fire burning for just about five minutes here before Isaiah comes up? How many have been camping before? Most of us in this place. I got a few questions I wrote down here I want to share with you before we bring up Isaiah. But if you've ever gone camping, and I mean real camping, not just in your backyard in a tent. Come on. You know how important it is, especially in the evening. Uh, the first camping experience that I ever had, I learned that within a few hours into just even camping, how important it was uh, for campers to have a fire. Somebody say fire. fire. You know that when you're camping, you got to, if you're going real camping, come on again, not in your backyard, in the tent. You got to rely on a fire. Those who have ever been a part of a bonfire, you got a, a bonfire pit in your backyard, that, that's acceptable. But when it's cold and you get toward the fire, you, you, and you're real cold, you know, you want to get close. You want to keep yourself warm. You want to, you want to keep that fire burning because if it goes out, you're going to stay, you're going to, there's no heat. There's nothing to keep you warm with and there's no point to be around the fire anymore. So I've noticed, I'm, I'm thinking back to my first time camping and I'm like, man, this fire is serious. People really rely on this thing. We cook our food with it, we keep warm with it, we use it for light, all that type of stuff, we know that. But if you're a camper in the middle of the woods, the last thing that you want is for your fire to go out. And in one way or another, I believe that us believers are like campers. 
We need the fire in our life. We need light in our life. We need warmth in our life. A heart that's steadily on fire for the things of God. We need to have our heart burning passionately for Jesus. It's the same thing like campers. I'm not going to go deep into it, but you get my point here What I'm trying to make is that as, as a fire staying lit inside of a campfire. One time I was at uh, these people from my church growing up, all of my siblings will go to their house. They have this huge mansion, a feeder in their house, ATVs. We'll have the best time of our life this whole week and we'll end the night around this camp. Fire. And I remember that my friend's dad would bring out bundles of newspapers to throw it in the fire because we wanted to keep that flame burning. We didn't want it to let it, we didn't want to let the fire go out. So every time the flame was getting smaller, we would constantly find things to put it back in there and stoke the fire because we didn't want the flame to go out. Am I talking to somebody in this place? I'm trying to cultivate the fire of God in my life. And my whole point is that I don't want the flame of God in my heart to burn out because when it begins to burn out, I'll find myself walking not by the spirit but in my flesh and then I'll find myself spending less time with God and more time with the world are you hearing me in this place anybody here you just share a scripture and then I'm out of your way 2nd Timothy 1 6 says these words for this reason I remind you to fan the flame oh come on this is a scripture for somebody here to fan in the, into the flame uh, the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands for God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind and I want to tell you that in this scripture Paul speaks to the young Timothy with regards to guarding the deposit of the message of Christ and I want to tell you in this place how to cultivate the fire how to keep your spiritual flame alive are you spending time in the word of God are you spending time in prayer but I believe that what God laid on my heart to tell you tonight is to go back to your first love somebody say your first love you got to go back to your first love. Revelation 2.4 speaks of the first love that has been abandoned so many times. And I believe that it's our first love that is Jesus. It will always be Jesus. And when we drift away from Jesus, everything in our life begins to shift out of orbit. But when Jesus becomes supreme in your life, in the center of your life, everything else will fall into place. Are you with me tonight? Do you get where I'm going? So I just want to let you know, if you've drifted from your first love, return back to Him tonight. Say, God, I I want to just re-enlist into your army. I want to just rededicate my life to you tonight. You may come from a different background, a different denomination. You may be Catholic. You may be a Buddhist. You may come in here uh, a Muslim. It doesn't matter what your background is. Jesus is the only one that can save your soul. He's the only one that can truly heal you and deliver you. Not religion, but true relationship with Jesus. True relationship with Jesus. And I'll just say this, as long as that wood was on the fire in that backyard of our friend's house, we could be assured that we would have heat. But if there was no wood left to burn or if only embers were left, it was certain that the fire would go out unless we took action. I believe in order to keep the fire burning in our lives and in our hearts, we got to take action. What are we going to do to fan the flame in our life? What are we going to do to stir up the gift of God within us when we're going through something and we feel down and out and depressed and weary? What are we doing? Are we going to fire ourselves? up encourage ourselves get into the secret place and say God I can't make it without you I don't know what's gonna happen but I know that you're still on the throne and I'm asking God that you would become the king of my heart and that you would break me out of this weariness and this depression is there anybody in here I'm the only one in this place that gets weary sometimes fuel was essential to keep that fire pit going and listen when the fuel 
is depleted in your life, I'm telling you that the fire will eventually go out. I don't want the, the, the fuel that's in your heart to, to be low. I, I, I want to come in here and say, God, if I'm a low, I want to look inside of the door of my heart and say, God, I need, I need a fresh fire. I need more fuel. I need you to fill me up again. I don't, we talked about it last night. We don't want to live on yesterday's relationship with God. We want to live on what God is doing today. I want more of Him. And I'm telling you in this place, if we didn't, if we didn't regularly stoke that fire in that pit, it would not keep burning. I came here to let you know, Refuge Church and all the guests, here you got to learn how to stoke the fire in your life you got to learn how to stir up the gift of God with you within you so that God can give you a fresh fire and breathe it in your heart are you with me Jesus breathe a new fire in our hearts that's what I'm saying during worship God breathe a new fire in our hearts I'm going to close with this. If your fire is at a low burn or close to going out, it's time for you to take Paul's words to heart to stir up the gift of God that's inside of you. You cannot depend on somebody else to do something so vital for you. So tonight, ask the Holy Spirit to do it. How to open, like I said, the door of your heart and take an honest look inside and assess what you need. I'm telling you, this is my question for you. Can you remember a time when your heart was literally ablaze with the things of God? What happened along the way to affect that fire? you got to hear me in this place before Isaiah comes up have you ever stopped to ponder what you could have done differently to keep the fire burning regardless of the events that occurred around you what is your source of spiritual fuel what fuels you what feeds you what keeps your heart on track in a blaze i'm telling you even tonight when we take an altar call it'd be nice to take out your phone and write down the things that regularly feed your heart and keep you stirred up as you serve jesus write that list of things down and say man what is stirring me up what is keeping me on fire for God and my last question is this how long has it been since you paused long enough to look in your heart and say God I'm running out of fuel I'm running out of fuel and I need you to breathe a new fire in me do you spend time with God daily and allow the Holy Spirit to do an inventory of your spiritual condition? That's what you need to do tonight is take an inventory of your spiritual condition and say, God, I'm losing my fire. I've drifted away from my first love. I need you back in my life. And this is what we have to do. Stick to the basics. I don't care how much a veteran you are in the faith. You will never be able to get more, uh, 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 more of this word of God in your life. You will never be able to say, I know all of it. No, there's always more to learn. There's always more to do i want this word of god to be a priority in my life so that's what i have for you tonight stoke the fire keep it burning in your life don't let it go out if you feel like your your fuels run low tonight it, it, it when we have this altar like nino says let the altar alter you when we come up to this altar allow god to breathe a fresh wind of fire in your heart allow him to come and say son daughter i'm here i've always been here and i've been waiting for you just to surrender your all to me you know he owes you nothing but gives you everything so the least we can do is surrender to the one who changes everything Come on, can I get you to stand up on your feet in this moment? I believe God has a word for you. As Isaiah comes up, get, get your heart ready because God's going to speak something and the spirit of awakening is going to break out. Come, come on, give it up for Isaiah Saldivar. Let's give the Lord some praise.
Come on, he is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our shout. I don't know about you, but tonight I'm ready for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready for God to do a new thing. I'm hungry. I'm desperate. I didn't come in acting like God owes me. You could take your seat and stand at any moment, just crank the mic. But I came tonight desperate for a move of God. I came tonight hungry for God to do a new thing. I came tonight for the fire to spread. You might say, what is all the shouting? What is all the praising? What is all the dancing? Why are we lifting our hands? Why are we jumping? I was not raised like that. I wasn't raised in that type of church. But you got to understand that if you were physically on fire, we all know that to put the fire out, you stop, drop, and roll. But you got to understand that if you were physically on fire, the way that you spread the fire is by moving. They they tell you that if you ever get caught on fire, you never want to run, you never want to jump, you never want to dance, you never want to lift your hands because all those things would actually spread the fire. But you got to understand if we get get the mic a little bit louder, that every time we praise, every time we shout, every time we lift our hands, every time we run around, and every time we jump, we are actually spreading the fire. In fact, Jeremiah was at the edge of giving up. He was on the edge of quitting. I even feel the theme of tonight is that some of us are on the edge of giving up. Some of us are on the verge of quitting. If you've never been in a place where you wanted to give up, you've lied to yourself. But I'm telling you, Jeremiah, I said the only thing that keeps me going the only thing that keeps me preaching the only thing that keeps me coming to prayer the only thing that keeps me coming to worship is that the Bible says that there was a fire that is shut up on the inside of his bones I'm believing tonight that the fire of God is going to be released in this place that there is going to be I wish somebody would help me preach there are way too many young people in this place for you to be quiet tonight God is raising up an end time generation. God is raising up an end time army. I get so excited looking around seeing all you young adults. I'm a young adult as well. Come on, help me preach. And I'm going, God is raising up a counter army. The enemy might be raising up an army, but so is God. God is raising up some young people that are not afraid to shout in the house of God. God is raising up some young people that are not afraid to praise, that are not afraid to dance, that are not afraid to be excited. I look at how excited we were in the world. You might be new saying, oh, they're just preachers. They're supposed to do that. Nine years ago, I was an atheist. I was at a beer pong tournament on December 31st of 2010. And I was casting out devils January 15th of 2011. For I'm telling you, our God is an all-consuming fire. If God could raise up an atheist like me, God could encounter you tonight. Our God is not boring you're boring. Our God is not dead. You're dead. Our God is not quiet. You're quiet. Our God is a lion of the tribe of Judah. Our God is passionate. Our God is exciting. The God that we serve is not a normal God. He's a supernatural God. What other God rose on the third day? What other man conquered death, hell, and the grave? Death, where is your sting? Death, where is your power? Our God got up so that we could praise our God raised so that we could shout we have freedom to praise we have freedom to shout I refuse to be a part of a boring church I refuse to be a part of a silent church this is not a morgue this is an army we are the army of almighty God and the world is attracted to passion 
They're attracted to praise. They're attracted to excitement. They're attracted to extravagant. The Bible says that we shout unto God with a voice of triumph. That we are not praising. We are not shouting for no reason. But we are praising because we have overcome. I could remember being an atheist and not being able to praise. I could remember drinking every day addicted to alcohol. I was so dependent on alcohol. I was so dependent on girls and women and partying and clubs and strip clubs and all these things. And I remember the moment I got delivered. I remember the moment God broke my chains. And I realized that I'm never going back to that old life. I'm, I praise this way because I'm able to. Because I was bound, but now I'm free. I was blind, but now I see. I wish I had someone in here that says, I remember the hell that God brought me out of. I'm not preaching some dead religion that you're used to because you got raised in it. I'm preaching the power of Almighty God. Our God is not far off. Our God is not religious. Our God is a God that is among us. The Bible calls him Emmanuel. That means the God that dwells in our midst. And we're here to encounter him tonight. We're not here just to hear a good message. We're not here for a personality. We're here for the presence of Almighty God. We're here because there is only one God that could deliver. There is only one God that could save. There is only one God that could break every chain in the spirit realm. Chains are breaking tonight in the spirit realm. People are getting delivered tonight. There's something shifting. I'm prophesying tonight. There's something shifting. There's something changing. There's something moving. God is pouring out a new flame on this house. God is pouring out a new passion in your life. You're going to walk out different tonight. You used to party for the world. It's time to party for the king. Don't get all calm and quiet now that you're saved. Don't get all sanitized. You got to get a praise in you. I feel my Hispanic side coming out tonight. You got to get a shout in you. You got to get a fight in you. You got to get a passion in you. This ain't no Green Bay Packer game. This is almighty God we're preaching about. The God that saves. The God that heals. The God that delivered. The one that was and is and is coming back. There is a Jewish man coming back. Our God's coming back to rap, to rapture, to rapture a remnant looking for a people. He's not coming back for brides. He's not into polygamy. He is coming back for a bride. He says, I'm looking for one type of people. And let me tell you, I know some of you have very high standards in relationships, but our God has high standards. Our God is not coming back for a prostitute. In fact, the church got so bad that he told Israel a professional prostitute could actually learn from my people. We have gotten so used to worshiping idols we have gotten so used to sleeping with false gods we have lost holiness we've lost repentance and we have lost the fear of the lord the bible says the fear of god is the beginning of wisdom we need some people that would fear god more than they feared the culture we need some people that would fear god more than they feared their boss we need some people that walked and talked and acted in the fear of the lord in fact isaiah chapter 66 says god
God's face is looking at and God is upon those that tremble and are humble and that tremble at his word. When was the last time we heard preaching and there was a trembling in the house of God? When's the last time we trembled from the word of God? When's the last time we walked in with such a holiness and such a reverence and said, I come prepared to worship. See, the fact that we come and we need a worship team to get us stirred up is unbiblical. We need a preacher to get us stirred up is unbiblical. The Bible says I enter his courts with thanksgiving, his gates with praise. I've been preaching that for nine years and saying the way that we get in the presence of God is through thanksgiving and praise. And although that is true, that's not what the verse means. What it actually means is we enter his courts with thanksgiving and we enter his gates with praise. That means I'm not getting my praise from the church. I'm bringing my praise with me. I came with a praise. I came with a shout. I came with a fire. People say, oh, you're not going to be able to preach good. People aren't. People don't. People don't shout at our church. People aren't excited at our church. People aren't passionate. I've had pastors tell me that. They're not going to be excited. They're not going to shout. They're not going to cheer you on the way they do at your church. I go, Pastor, it does not matter because I didn't come depending on your church to give me a praise or a thanksgiving. I brought my praise with me. I brought my thanksgiving with me. I don't need a word. I came with a word. I came with the fire and the anointing of God. God is looking for a remnant to awaken. God is waking some of you up. Up even tonight. You say, Isaiah, you're just annoying me. You're always convicting me. You're always challenging me. I know some of y'all don't like me. You don't make eye contact with me. I totally get it, but you got to understand that what God is doing in this hour is he's awakening his church, and alarm clocks are not nice. Alarm clocks are not gentle. Alarm clocks are not quiet. I woke up today to my alarm, and it wasn't like, Isaiah, get out of bed. Isaiah, you can do it. I believe in you and it didn't encourage me it was loud it was annoying and it was repetitive because its job was not to get me to go back to sleep but its job was to wake me up so I'm glad that I'm loud I'm glad I'm repetitive I'm glad I'm annoying because I'm trying to wake you up out of your spiritual complacency I'm trying to wake you up out of your spiritual apathy God is raising up a breed of people that are going to come for his presence that are going to walk in his presence. Am I at the right place? That are going to live in his presence. That say, God, I can't go a moment without your presence. I can't go a moment without your anointing. Because I know that when I praise, something shifts in the spiritual realm. When the worship team, which was so amazing, come on, give it up for the worship team. When they're in worship, I'm not up here just singing a song. They are actually leading us into battle. Worship was actually one of the main weapons that God was used to overcome the enemy you got to understand that when you praise and when you worship you're releasing angelic beings in the atmosphere that the army of heaven is being released this is how I fight my battles it's not just a nice song from upper room worship it's a heavenly reality that my battle is won in the spirit before it manifests in the natural in fact Paul says in Ephesians 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood and I'm going to give 
you very simple translation, and I'm going to give you it quickly, but it's against demonic spirits. That's what Paul says. He breaks down the ranks and the types, but that's basically what he was saying. In other words, Paul was saying, we're not battling anxiety. We're battling the demon of anxiety. We're not battling depression. We're battling the demon of depression. We're not battling anger. We're battling a demon. We're not battling pornography. We're battling the demon of lust. So Paul was saying, our battle is not in the natural realm, but our battle is in the spiritual realm. So I have to tonight make war in the spirit. I don't care if you don't like it or you walk out or you're mad or whatever, because I didn't come to influence the natural realm. We came to influence the supernatural realm. If I came to influence the natural, I would have FaceTimed you on the screen. But I came in this place rebuking every demonic power, rebuking every curse, rebuking every assignment, every strategy of the enemy that he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. God is delivering his bride. God's raising up and God's training a remnant of people in the earth right now that are not going to wait on a pastor to praise for them. Are not going to wait on a pastor to pray for them. Are not going to wait on a pastor to climb the mountain. I remember one day I was so tired of being everyone depending on me. I stood up in front of my church. I said, I am not your Moses. I am tired of you having me go up to the mountain for you. Friend, you have access to climb the mountain. You've been given a backstage pass. You have a million dollars a day in the spirit realm. Stop living off of $5 a month. God has given you all power, all authority. The days of waiting on a man of God are over. You have access into the Holy of Holies. You have access into the presence of God. Jesus tore the veil and said, Tonight, you can come to me boldly through the throne of grace. And you can ask the Father what you have need of. If you need healing, tonight is your night to get healed. If you need deliverance, tonight is your night to get delivered. If you need breakthrough, tonight is your night to get breakthrough. If you're tired of having no fire, if you're tired of having no passion, if you're tired of letting the devil hold you down, if you're tired of getting lined up in a haircut at Delilah's Barbershop, if you're tired of having sleepovers with Jezebel, if you're tired of inviting Bathsheba over for lunch, then tonight is your night to say, I'm breaking every demonic power and every demonic chain. I'm making war in the spirit. I'm going to battle against the enemy. I'm not going to stay on the sidelines. I'm not going to be stagnant any longer. I hear the Lord saying it's time for the church to rise up. It's time for the church to break out of slumber. The world is waiting on us. It's time for an awakening. There's no plan B. There's no plan B. There's no other option. There's no other hope for this generation but a revival. I've been preaching this for nine years, but we are at the place right now where we don't have any other options. All of our programs, all of our outreaches, all of our fancy Bible colleges are not cutting it. God is raising up a breed that is so radical, so passionate. In Acts 4.13, it says the disciples, they were unskilled and they were uneducated. Yet the Pharisees marveled at this one thing, that they had been with Jesus. How do I become a revival? How do I get God to use me? You got to get along with Jesus. I know Matt won't brag on himself, but I'll brag on him for him. I call him Mr. Viral. This guy has over a hundred million views on his Facebook page. That's one third of the United States population. And it's all from a camera off his iPhone. Just sharing the works of God. You got to understand that with man, it's impossible. You can't get a hundred million views, even if you're a celebrity. But with God, God 
says all things are possible and the Holy Spirit is getting ready to go viral the move of God is getting ready to go viral God is getting ready to blast this thing open and I'm not letting the move of God pass me by I want to be a part of what God is doing and I'm telling you this next move of God is going to be a move of passion and a move of excitement one of the things Kanye West was saying is everyone comes and says man you've made church fun again God wants to raise up a church where we actually want to come imagine the world actually wanting to come into our services imagine the world saying man your church is louder than my club your church is more exciting than the bar the wine that you guys drink in the spirit is better than the vodka I drink in the natural I'm telling you there's a high that you can get on the most high there's a drunk on the new wine I don't need drugs anymore I got the Holy Spirit in me I don't need alcohol anymore I got the power of God God wants to deliver you and set you free so your only addiction would be him your only pleasure would be him David said there are eternal pleasures at his right hand we're all chasing pleasure we're all chasing the next feel good all the sin all the stuff we're seeing is motivated by pleasure and David lets us know that our God did not just invent pleasure but our God has eternal pleasure in his right hand that those that dwell under the shadow of the almighty those that dwell in the secret place and that Jesus gives us the key to where God is located on the earth there is only one place in the Bible where it actually tells us where God is located on the earth there is a place that many of us do not go to there is a place that many of us have never been there is a place that God says if you go to this specific geographical location I guarantee I'll be there and by the way spoiler alert it's not the church he said there is a place that I dwell there is a place that I will show up every single time where you can actually meet one-on-one with God and when you meet him everything changes I'm telling you if you would go to this place your marriage would begin to change if you would go to this place your finances would begin to change if you would go to this place your stinking thinking would begin to change if you would go to this place all of your trials all of your anger your depression would begin to get broken this place could solve a thousand other issues maybe I'll tell you tomorrow morning where this place is at praise the Lord Jesus said, here's where God lives, in the secret place. Does God come to church? Absolutely. Does God dwell at the altar? Absolutely. Does God show up in buildings? Absolutely. But he says, I guarantee you, I will show up in the secret place. I guarantee you that if you go to the secret place, the question of the hour is this. When is the last time I've been in the secret place? When is the last time I turned everything off? And I said, God, I want to seek you. I want to get in the secret place. I want to know you in private so that you could show through me in public. I don't just want you to do it for me I want you to do it through me in fact the Bible says all glory to God and through his mighty power is at work within us is able to accomplish exceedingly abundantly infinitely more than we could ask or think I always thought that verse meant God just wants to do it and God wanted me they spoke to me said Isaiah it's not that I'm going to do it for you it's that I'm going to do it through you see Paul said he's able to accomplish through us through his mighty power at work within us infinitely and more than we could imagine that you are a part of the 
commission that God says I've commissioned you that word commission is co-mission it means that we are partners in the kingdom of God that your co-worker is not angry or bitter your co-worker is Jesus he's given you the power of the Holy Spirit he's given you the anointing of the Holy Spirit he's given you the power to walk in influence and I'm telling you I've been saved for nine years I was an atheist parting every day and I have not had one boring day with Jesus I'm going to say that one more time for some of y'all bored Christians in here I've not lived one moment bored our God is exciting our God is passionate just because you're boring doesn't mean our God is and the world is looking for an exciting God I had a guy recently come to me pastor and go I just got to leave early I got work at 4 in the morning I looked at that young man I said bro I remember when me and you used to party together I said we used to start drinking at 10pm we had to wake up at 4am to open up our local Starbucks and me and him would go to work drunk stayed up all night I said I remember me and you staying up all night long going to work drunk without sleeping and now that you're saved you're telling me you got to be tucked in by 8.30 why is it that when we get saved we get soft I didn't get saved to be soft I got saved to fight the battle that we are like Paul we're going to fight the good fight you've been enlisted into an army you've been drafted into God's military it's more than you praying a prayer it's you actually dying to self he told Nicodemus you must be born again there is a born again experience where you go from death to life where the girl you were last week is not the girl that you are this week where the guy that you were last week is not the guy that you are this week I know I used to be a player but now I'm a prophet I know I used to be a prostitute but now I chase presents God has redeemed me God has changed me they should be saying what happened to you all of a sudden you went to that church event and you came back different I didn't come back different I came back dead see some of you don't know that you actually came not to a service but you came to your funeral that God is going to kill the old you I'm preaching the straight up gospel tonight that if any man be in Christ he's a new creature that the old is passed away I'm looking at you young people and the Lord says tonight is your night to get a fresh start tonight is your night to let God use you never imagined <clears throat> 10 years ago he said, Isaiah, you're going to travel all over the country. You're going to preach in every state. You're going to see thousands of people get saved. God is going to use you with power. He's going to use you with influence. God's going to use you in a mighty way. I would have told you 10 years ago in the exact words that you are effing crazy. That's exactly how I would have said it. I never imagined, I never dreamed that God was going to do this. And I know that if God could start a revival in my living room, if 500 people could come to my house every single week to experience the presence of God. We've been in revival for almost nine years in January here. And God every single week is pouring out his spirit without measure. He goes, I want to pour out without measure on a people without mixture. God is looking to pour out on a holy people. Holiness is not a cuss word. We actually call it happy holiness. It's not that I give stuff up because I have to. It's that I give stuff up because I want to. I don't want anything in my life to separate me from the power of God. I don't want anything in my life to quench what God is doing. God wants to do something in you tonight like never before. 
God wants to use you as a mouthpiece to your generation. You got to begin to get so undignified that you're not worried about what anybody else thinks. If you're still worried about what the person in your row thinks, if you're still worried about what your wife or your husband thinks, then you are not eligible for the move of God. See, there is one thing about revival. Revival will get you to a place where you're not worried about what anybody else thinks of you. If you're still worried about what somebody else thinks, you are not in revival. David got to that place when he got the ark of God back. See, David had lost the presence of God like some of us. David had lost the anointing like some of us. David had lost God like some of us tonight. But then David got the ark of God back. And the Bible says he began to take off his clothing and begin to dance his way into the city. I have people come in our ministry. We have people in our leadership that are doctors. We have people that are business owners, lieutenants, sergeants of the police department. They are opulent in their world. They are, you know, have high position in their world. But you'll see people that have opulence and high position in their world. They will come into our church. And I tell them all the time, you might be a boss at your job, but there is only one boss in the house of God. I don't care how tough you think you are. There is only one king and it is not you. We need to get so undignified. The Bible says, and David began to take off his robes. What was David taking off? David was not trying to be lascivious or lewd. David was taking off his kingly garments. David was taking off his title. See, David recognized, although tonight I am a king, he recognized that I'm among not just a king, but I'm in the presence of the king of all kings. That tonight we are not in the presence of a person or personality. We are in the presence of almighty God. That the Bible declares he is the king of kings. And he is the Lord of Lords, uh, that he is a real man and he's higher than anything else. Uh, And tonight we got to take off our title. Uh, We got to take off our mask. Uh, We got to take off our outfit uh, and say, God, I'm coming humbly to you tonight. Uh, I'm coming naked before you tonight. Uh, I'm coming to give you an undignified praise. Uh, See, David's wife got mad and said, why are you dancing like that with all those other people? Uh, Is that how a king should be dancing? Uh, And David said, honey, if you think I'm undignified now, uh, I'm about to get even more undignified you got to get to a place where you say I'm going to get more undignified there is something about desperation that moves the heart of God there is something about spiritual hunger that could tap into the heart of God I don't know what it is but God loves those that are desperate every radical miracle we see in the New Testament almost every time it was someone that was desperate almost every time it was someone that was hungry almost every time you very rarely see Jesus just touch complacent people very rarely will you see him go up to a person and say I'll know you're complacent I know you're satisfied with the religion I know you're okay with going through the motions but I'm going to heal you oftentimes it was those that were willing to press uh, oftentimes it was those that were willing to push uh, oftentimes it were those that were desperate and those that were hungry uh, he said I'm only looking for those that are hungry uh, I'm only looking for those that are desperate uh, I'm looking for those tonight that have been delivered from the fear of man uh, I'm looking for those that tonight that have been delivered from what people think uh, I'm looking to rise up John the Baptist in this hour uh, that aren't concerned with what the Sadducees are doing, aren't concerned with what the Pharisees are doing, but saying, God, what is your spirit saying to me? Like in Genesis 32, when Jacob was wrestling with the angel of the Lord, the Bible says he was so desperate for a breakthrough. He was so desperate for an encounter that he actually wrestled God himself. Imagine what it's like to wrestle God himself. And the Bible says that they were wrestling all night long. you got to get to a place where you say, I'm so desperate. I'm going to wrestle until I get a breakthrough. 
through. I'm going to wrestle until God moves. I'm not taking no for an answer. You will bless me, Lord. I'm desperate for a blessing. I'm tired of the person I was. I want to be a new creature. I want to be a new creation. The Bible says he's wrestling all night long. And the angel got so tired and so weary. He actually outlasted God. And the Bible says the angel wrenched his hip out of socket. Pastor, what I love about this story is not just his boldness, his tenacity, his desperation, and his fortitude. But what I love is that when the angel actually broke his hip, which if you ask any medical person, any doctor, my brother who's a nurse, one of the most painful things to happen is for your hip to wrench out of socket or for you to actually break your hip or dislocate your hip. And some of y'all seasoned veterans, come on, help me tonight. Some of you wise, old, older people know what it's like to pop your hip out. They say it's one of the most painful things. We all know that when you break a bone or you get hurt, what is our natural instinct? Our natural instinct is to grab on whatever's hurting. If you break your leg, your natural instinct is to grab your leg. If you break your hip, your natural instinct is to grab your hip. But Jacob came to a place. The Bible says he did not grab his hip. See, there are many of us that are grabbing onto our pain. There are many of us that are hanging on to hurt. There are many of us that have been wounded by the church and wounded by God's people. And we hang on to that for years. Like Matt said, that man had been hanging on for 10 years. But Jacob said, I'm not grabbing onto the pain. I'm grabbing onto my God. I'm hanging on to Jesus tonight. I'm hanging on to God. The Bible says, cling to Christ. He's your deliverer. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. Hang on to God. And the Bible says that for the rest of Jacob's life, who got his name changed, he would be limping. There was something that would change about his walk. See, we're encountering God, but our walk is not changing. We're still walking the same. For the rest of his life, everybody could see his limp. And I'm wondering, is our walk different? Are we going to leave this place with a limp tonight? Are we going to leave this place broken tonight? Truth be told, God wants to break you down. He says, I'm looking for a broken and a contrite spirit. I know days pastor where I feel so weak and every time I say God I'm weak tonight I preach some of my best messages why because it is in your weakness come on someone that's weak help me it is in your weakness where God is strong he goes the weaker you get the stronger I get I'm telling you I know a lot of you compliment me praise the Lord but there's nobody weaker than me in the sense that I'm relying on the spirit I'm relying on God In fact, Paul, the Bible said, had a thorn in his side or in his flesh. And Paul prayed for God to remove it. Paul said, I've been given revelation, but to keep me from becoming proud. He said, God actually gave me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, a thorn in my flesh, to keep me from becoming proud. And Paul said, I prayed three times that the Lord would take it. Could God have taken it? Absolutely. But God said, Paul, if I take the trial, and it wasn't his husband or his wife. Come on, help me. If I take this trial from you, if I take this thing out of your life, you're going to get reliant on you instead of reliant on me. So I'm going to leave the trial there. I'm going to leave the pain there so that you rely on my presence. He says, my strength is perfect when you're weak. How do I know? Because some of you don't praise until you're going through a storm. Some of you don't go to church when everything's fine. Do you know why there's some of us in this room that God refuses to bless us tonight? There are some of us God refuses to 
to anoint us or appoint us uh, is because God knows if he gives you the new job, uh, if he gives you the new house and gives you the new car, uh, then you'll no longer serve him the way you serve him now. Uh, There's a reason why God leaves storms in our life uh, and leaves trials in our life uh, because sometimes it takes pain to get us to praise. Uh, Sometimes it takes trial to get us to worship. Uh, Every person that's ever left our church when they come back, I already know uh, that they either lost their job or they lost a family member. Uh, There's something about trials that bring us closer to God. uh, And instead of whining your way through your storm, uh, you ought to learn to praise your way through your storm. Uh, You got to learn to praise God in the good and praise God in the bad. Uh, I'm not just going to praise when the door opens. Uh, I'm going to praise in front of the closed door. Uh, I'm not just going to worship when things work out, uh, but I'm going to worship when nothing works out. Uh, I'm going to praise him because he's worthy of my praise. Uh, I got to understand that God's timing is not my timing. Uh, And that timing is a construct of man. Uh, Timing was not, uh, timing does not exist in the eternal realm. Uh, Many believers are angry and frustrated. I'm getting ready to close soon uh, because they're not seeing what God said he'd do uh, and the time that they want him to do it. Uh, How many know that his ways are above our ways? Uh, You got to realize that time was invented when the world was invented. Uh, God says we're going to have to make time when the sun goes up and when the sun goes down. That's why when Joshua needed time to fight, even NASA confirmed that there was one day in history where the sun stood still for an entire day. You got to understand something, that God is able to hold the sun still because God lives outside the realm of time. There's a reason why when the doctors say it's going to take six months to heal, God could heal it in an instant because God is not bound by time. I'll keep proving it. The Bible says one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as is one day why because God's outside the realm of time see the problem is we pray for God to move and then six months go by we say God save my marriage God bring revival to my church and then six months go by and nothing's happened and then we pray this God you said you do it why haven't you done it God where have you been and because God lives outside the realm of time God hears both prayers at the same time so God hears God I know you can and the next second God hears no you're not going to and that's why the Bible says if we pray oh that's good preaching right there that if we pray and we're double minded we can expect to receive nothing from God see you always receive in prayer but there are times where God will give you a gift in a box and you open it and there's nothing in it why because the prayer you prayed for that situation was a prayer of unbelief and you can expect to receive nothing you receive but when you get the thing there's nothing there but God says I'm looking for people that know that my timing is better than their timing. I'm looking for people that would not get tired and would not get discouraged. That I'm going to release a fire. That it doesn't matter who gossips about me. I'm still going to serve him. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm still going to praise him. It doesn't matter what the church goes through. I'll still be here every single week. I'm not coming for man. I'm coming for God. I'm coming for his presence and his anointing. God lives outside the realm of time. So if God's ways are not my ways and God's time is not my time, it's possible that God could already have given you your breakthrough and that God could already given you your miracle. You just haven't let time unfold and you haven't received it yet. That's why the man that came to Jesus and said, my son is sick, would you heal my son? His son was not at the gathering. His son was not at the meeting. And the man recognized, although my son's not here, he said, Jesus, I have servants that I could tell them to go do something and they'll do it. He knew that Jesus had angels in the spirit realm. And Jesus 
Jesus could send angels. The Bible says they carry our prayers, minister flames of fire. And the Jesus looked at the man and said, I've not seen all this faith in Israel that you understand the spiritual realm. And the Bible says the man began to head home. And as the man was on his way home, a servant showed up to the man on the road and said, you're not going to believe this, but your son was healed. The man said, about what time was he healed? He said, it was about noon o'clock. And he said, wait a minute. That was the exact moment Jesus spoke. Although the man wasn't there yet, although the man got a miracle, he still had to walk his miracle out. He just had to catch up to his miracle. Some of you, God says, I've already done it in the spirit. That even though you don't feel it, if I can get the worship team up, that even though you don't feel it, I've been moving on your behalf. Even though you don't see it, I've been moving on your behalf. Even though it doesn't make sense, I've been moving on your behalf. That there is a war been taking place. That God has had angels fighting for you. Just like in Daniel 10 when Daniel's praying and an angel shows up to Daniel and says, Daniel, from the moment you begin to pray, I've been fighting for 21 days. See, Daniel was praying and nothing was happening in the natural. But Daniel understood that there was something that was happening in the supernatural. Tonight you might not feel it in the natural, but it's happening in the supernatural. Tonight you might not sense it in the natural, but it's happening in the supernatural. The angel came to Daniel. And said, Daniel, the moment you begin to open up your mouth, I've been beginning to fight for you. He said, I've been fighting the prince of Persia, the power of the air. Now, let me ask you this. The angel of the Lord comes to Daniel and says, I've been fighting for 21 days, but a demon, this is what your Bible says in Daniel chapter 10, but a demon actually held me back. There was actually a spirit that was so strong and it held me back from bringing your breakthrough. Understand, Daniel, that the devil cannot destroy your calling. He could only delay your calling. The enemy could only delay what God is doing but I prophesy over you tonight that the delay is getting ready to end I prophesy you over you tonight that God is moving even when you don't feel it that God is moving even when you don't see it some of you have been praying for your college come on you better help me preach and God has sent angels to fight over your college God has sent angels to fight over that place God has released angelic power an angelic presence he said Daniel I've been fighting and Michael who's the archangel, the host, the leader of the host of heaven. He said, Michael's up there right now still fighting on our behalf. Friend, I'm telling you that this is no joke and that this is no game, that for some of you, tonight is your night. You've been waiting for a breakthrough. You've been believing for a move of God. And you say, God, when is it going to happen? And God says, tonight is the night that there is something changing in you tonight. There is something moving in you tonight that God is releasing a fresh praise, that God is releasing a fresh impartation. Me and Matt came for impartation. Paul said this, I long to be with you to impart spiritual gifts. Here's what Paul was saying. I can't give you this through Facebook Live. I can't give you this through Instagram TV. I can't give you through a Snapchat story, a Facebook story. I can't give you this through Periscope. I can't give you this through YouTube. Paul says something's going to happen when I come to be with you and I impart supernatural gifts. How do we impart supernatural gifts through the laying of hands when we get in person? I'm not talking about laying hands and appointing prophets. I'm not talking about when Paul says don't hastily lay hands on people. I'm talking about the laying on of hands to impart supernatural gifts. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of living in this natural world. I'm tired of 
not walking in the gifts of the spirit. I'm tired of not walking in the gifts of prophecy. I believe tonight there's going to be a releasing of supernatural gifts. That God is actually releasing supernatural gifts to empower the body of Christ to advance the kingdom of God. This is no game. This is no joke. This is our defining moment church. This is our opportunity to say, God, I want everything that you have. I want every spiritual gift and every spiritual blessing. I'm going to seek you in spirit. Something is changing even now in the spirit realm. Something is shifting even now in the spirit realm. You may say, Isaiah, I don't feel a thing. Here's what I love about the supernatural realm. You don't have to feel anything for it to work. You don't have to get chill bumps. You don't have to fall over. You don't have to see any gold dust or get oil poured on you. Those things are all amazing, but here's the bottom line. The supernatural realm transcends our feelings. That's how me and Matt could travel and be tired, but get up here and preach in the presence of God. I've preached before with 104 fever multiple times. Pastor, I've had 104 fever, throwing up in the back room, shaking. I've had the flu. I preached through the fever. I mean, I've been in the back shaking, got up to preach and went, and I got up and preached and I felt amazing. I didn't feel sick. I felt strength in my body. I felt strength in my mind. I just preached a couple weeks ago, sick as a dog. Nobody even knew it. People are coming to me, that was your best sermon. I'm like, they didn't even know I had a fever during the whole time. Why? Because the supernatural presence of God, it actually transcends the natural realm. The supernatural presence of God. I can remember, Pastor, when I used to work at Starbucks. I would preach and have revivals till midnight. And I would have to wake up at three in the morning to go open the Starbucks. I was a shift leader. And I remember sleeping for two hours and I would look at that two hour thing. I would say, God, I only have two hours to sleep. And God, I haven't slept in a couple days, but I know that you're God of the spirit. You're God of the supernatural. And you have the power because you live outside of time to stretch the two hours and make it ten hours. And I would wake up so refreshed. I would wake up so rejuvenated. Why? because our God does not live in time that's why God can take you from the back of the line and put you in the front of the line that's why God can say Isaiah I'm going to save you I would sit with pastors they say you talk as if you were saved for 40 years how is it possible because our God is outside of time and he's releasing the spirit of acceleration he's releasing the spirit of revival and awakening in the body of Christ the days of sitting by are over. The days of waiting are over. You've been anointed, appointed, called, and commissioned to preach the gospel to every creature. This is our moment. Now is our time. Welcome up, Bishop, here tonight. Come on. Come on. Give him a hand tonight. Sasan, okay. We blessed by the word tonight. Wow, this is powerful. You know, the Bible says that we're to redeem the time because the days are evil. And I believe you've heard the saying, timing is everything. Ecclesiastes talks about a time to be born, a time to die. There's a time and a season for everything. And for some of you, this is your time. For some of you, it's your time to get right with God. For some of you, it's your time to get set free, to be delivered, to be healed. And God can reach through this moment in time to do something significant for you. It's also time to receive an offering. <laughs> That's what we're going to do right now. Now don't say, oh, Pastor. No, this is a time to rejoice. It's a time to celebrate because we have an opportunity to give. We have an opportunity to do something for the kingdom of God out of your substance, 
something you can share, something you can contribute to make a difference. And you might say, well, I don't have that much, and what I have is so little, it's not going to make much of a difference. Don't kid yourself. The widow's mite was very significant, and it caught Jesus' attention, and it moved him to the point where he said, she gave more than all the rest of you put together. And so we want to give you an opportunity to give. And, and I want to talk about it in the context of willingness because we see giving as a form of worship. We can't buy God's gifts. We can't buy his favor. But because we freely receive, we freely give. And I want to challenge you in a way to give and participate in what God's doing this weekend because what you can contribute is more than just sitting in a seat. What you can share to advance and empower the kingdom of God. I want to share a scripture. It's in the book of Second Chronicles 29:31, and this is about Hezekiah. And he saw there were some real needs in the temple and in the, the church community at that time. And he made a statement. And he addresses something that's a condition of our heart that we need to be aware of. It says, then Hezekiah said, verse 31, you have now consecrated yourselves to the Lord. Consecrate simply means to commit, dedicate, or yield yourself to God. And that's, that's where giving begins. We give our life to him. We give our hearts to him. And then he says, come near now and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the house of the Lord. And the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings and all who were of a willing heart brought burnt offerings. In other words, they brought something out of a willing heart. And so tonight as we give, I want you to do so with a willing heart. Because we want to bless Isaiah and Matt for coming to central Wisconsin Chicago, it's not much uh, colder than here, but California California is a lot warmer at this time of year, right? But they're here on mission. They're here on assignment. And we want to be able to bless them in coming and ministering the Word of God. And I appeal to those who are kingdom builders and those who are stewards of resources to advance the purpose of God's kingdom. Because when you give, you're not giving to man. You're giving to the purpose of God, to the vision of God, to bring revival across this land. See, God sees it as something that is given to him. And so we want to give you an opportunity tonight. There's several ways you can give. Uh, behind me on the slide, you can see you can text to give. You can do it in person. There's a seat in your seat pocket in front of you. There's an offering envelope. You can write a check. We'll put cash in there. You can do it through our church app. You can download through Google Play or, or um, App Store a Refuge Official, and you can get a, a regular app for Refuge, and you can give through that as well. But however you give, let it be out of a willing heart. Okay? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the word we've just heard. Father, let it move us to greater obedience in every area of our life. And Father, let an expression of willingness now be released from this body of believers as, as we invest in revival, as we give to the work of the gospel. 
Father, we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that first they gave themselves and then they gave to the Lord. And Father, you empowered them with grace because they were able to give beyond their ability and be a blessing, Father, for the work of God in that generation, in that day. Father, help us to be a blessing to the work of God in this generation. Let our obedience and willingness, Father, be expressed in a way that can be meaningful to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ in this hour. In Jesus' name, Father, receive the seed that is sown tonight and let it be multiplied. Father, let it be multiplied, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over to make room for more. Father, we thank you as we honor you with these gifts and offerings in Jesus' name. The host at this time will receive the offering. Thank you so much for your obedience and giving. Know that when everyone does their part, every need is met. Thank you so much for your generosity. It's time our welcome back, Isaiah. So once the bucket passes you, you can feel free to stand up once it's passed. Thank you, Jesus. God, you're moving in this place, God. I'm telling you, tonight is your night. If you're hungry, if you're desperate, I really believe tonight that God's going to impart supernatural power, supernatural gifts. I know I feel me and Matt, one of our callings here just tonight specifically is to lay hands on as many people as we can and ask for a spiritual impartation. This is not magical. This is not mystical. We don't have anything special that you don't have, but there's something that happens when you lay your hands on someone and you believe by faith for an activation. So we're going to lay hands. It's going to be a quick prayer. It's going to be a couple seconds over each person. As we make our way through, we're going to lay hands and we're just going to ask, especially for some of you young adults, we're going to ask for a spiritual impartation that you would prophesy that you would heal the sick, that you would raise the dead, that you would drive out devils, that you'd be called and commissioned to the assignment that God has. There are some of you that are hungry, and tonight is your night to be like Jacob and say, God, I'm going to wrestle at this altar, and God, I need you to change me. I'm tired of hanging on to my pain. There's some of you tonight that came with wounds. You came with pain, and tonight God says it's time to let go of the pain, and it's time to hang on to me, that our God is a deliverer, that our God is a healer, that our God is the only only one that could restore you. He's the only one that could break addiction. He's the only one that could heal cancer. He's the only one that could take your sleepless night and give you rest and peace that you may be crying yourself to sleep, but joy is coming in the morning. I'm telling you tonight is the night depression's going to be broken. Tonight is the night anxiety is going to be broken. Many people don't know that David actually had anxiety attacks. He said, I'm shaking and I'm trembling. He was having anxiety attacks, but God was his refuge. God was his strength and that God was his deliverer and I really feel tonight I hear the Lord saying I'm getting ready to break anxiety I'm getting ready to break stress I could remember before I was saved dealing with anxiety it was unexplainable I would literally just start shaking and my heart would start pounding and there are some of you tonight that have been battling anxiety maybe it's because of your finances maybe it's because of a relationship maybe it's because of your college classes but tonight God is saying I'm going to break anxiety 
anxiety and I'm going to give you peace that surpasses all understanding that I'm going to give you refuge I'm going to give you strength that I am your ever present help in a time of need I'm telling you there is no peace like the peace that our God gives us there is no grace like the grace of God maybe tonight you need to be born again I want to tell you right now January 12th of 2011 Isaiah died and was raised to life with Christ that there is resurrection power tonight friend you got to realize salvation is not just a natural thing but according to Romans chapter 1 verse 16 it is the very power of God until salvation that salvation is a work of the Holy Spirit and tonight the Holy Spirit is hovering in this place and he's ready to renew you and restore you and to give you a fresh start you say Isaiah I hate the choices I've been making I hate the person that I've been well praise the Lord because God wants to give you a new nature he wants to make you a new person he doesn't want to change the old you he wants to kill the old you and that you would be a new person you get to start fresh the best thing I ever heard was someone saying Isaiah you can die and be resurrected and have a new fresh start Nicodemus said, well, I don't understand what you're talking about. How is it possible that a man goes back into his mother and is reborn? And Jesus looked at Nicodemus and said, Nick, at night, you got to understand something. That this is not a natural thing that we are preaching, but it is a supernatural work of God. That being born again, we're talking about being born again in the spirit realm. When you are born again, you are not born again in the natural realm. You are born again in the spirit. In fact, your Bible says that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That this is your calling and this is your citizenship. That you are seated next to Christ and you have access tonight in the spirit realm with every eye closed Father we ask you tonight that you would awaken our heart God that we are hungry for more of you and tonight I really feel the Lord saying it's time for you to re-enlist maybe you've been saved for 20 years maybe you've been saved for 2 years for 2 months but tonight God is saying will you re-enlist to the army of God I'm not drafting you into a country club I'm not drafting you into a playground I'm drafting you into a battleground I have called you to make war against darkness I have called you to be raised up as a light in this world. If you're in this place and you say, I'm not, this is not a salvation altar call. We're going to do that at the last song. We're going to pray if you want to receive Christ. Uh, Bishop's going to pray for you in two songs. But as of right now, this is for those. And it may be, you may be new and you may want to get saved here as well. That's fine. But tonight, I feel like the Lord is saying, you're going to have to respond and say, God, tonight I sign up again. Tonight I re-enlist. God, I've drifted. I've lost my passion. I've lost my fire as Matt preached. But tonight I'm getting my passion back. I'm getting my praise back. I refuse to be more passionate in Egypt than I am in the promised land. I refuse to stay up all night partying at college. And then I come to church and I'm all tired and weary. Tonight, I'm saying yes to the anointing. Tonight, I'm saying yes to impartation. Isaiah, yes, I want you or Matt or one of, or one of the prayer team to lay hands on me and ask the Lord for an impartation. If that's you right now, I want you to come out of your chair as fast as you could. And I want you to come to this altar if you say, I want impartation. I'm re-enlisting. I'm saying yes to God. I want the gifts of prophecy stirred up in my life. I want the gifts of miracles stirred up in my life. I want all that God has for me. I have a spiritual inheritance through Christ. Maybe some of you have been going through a trial or a struggle and tonight God says, I'm going to make myself strong while you're weak. I'm going to give you what you need. With every eye closed at this altar, we're going to begin to sing and worship and we're just going to pray and we're going to ask God for more. Come on, tonight is your night. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 
Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.